0: waited on God's instruction to leave the ark. Sarah waited to finally conceive a son. Joseph waited in bondage, placed there because of sibling jealousy. Moses wandered in the wilderness. Israel waited to enter the promised land. David waited to be crowned king. Job waited on God to deliver him from his misery. We, the body of Christ, are waiting for his return. Now, what happens if we wait for what we really want instead of chasing after it? A young shepherd boy spent years in preparation and hiding and on the run for a crucial assignment given to him by God. He waited seven years to receive it. Would you? Bloom is a place of restoration, a place where women can be filled and then pour out onto others. The foundation of Bloom is the Word of God, and in each episode, we focus on God's illuminating, inerrant Word as we strive daily to live on fire for Him. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about learning how to wait well, why we should wait on God, and how enduring the wait makes what we're waiting for that much sweeter if it's God's will for us to receive it. Everything that I say here on this episode is subject to your spiritual authority, the men and women of God who help shepherd and watch over you spiritually. I was in a series of dysfunctional situationships in high school and college. In high school, I used to sneak out of the house, sorry, mom, until the night that I was caught. And in college, a string of unfortunate encounters left me emotionally bruised by the guys that I talked to. And while you could consider me a bit boy crazy, the ones that I talked to were never serious. Our interactions were never godly or God-honoring. And as a result, I struggled in that area for most of my five-year college career. Then there was one guy that I dated who I'd been friends with for years who broke up with me because I was pushing him away from God. Talk about heartbroken. And it wasn't until my senior year when my heart was crushed again that I just gave up. I was moving to India anyways. I wasn't going to date. I was just going to spend my year seeking God. Does that sound familiar? It's the cycle of dating, the whirlwind of not feeling like you're enough, of temptations of the flesh, of sleepovers with other men, late night escapades, all things that are not God's will for us. Here's one thing that I knew for sure. I did not want to get my heart broken more times to find what I liked or didn't like. I wanted God's best and that for me would come by waiting. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord, my God. Psalm chapter 38, verse 15. Yachel in Hebrew means to wait, hope, expect, to be patient, to be pained, to stay, to trust, to tarry. God will answer. That is our great promise and he is always speaking. You know, waiting on God is one of those things. No one likes waiting. We wait for our Uber drivers. We wait for coffee at Starbucks. We wait for browsers to load when we're connected to slow internet. We wait in long lines. We wait in traffic. We wait for our degrees. We wait at train stops. We wait months for our babies to arrive. When Jesus was taken up into heaven, he instructed his followers to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 2. This life is full of waiting, but there is one wait that seems like it takes forever. It is the husband wait, the great wait, I like to call it. Besides deciding to follow Christ, who you marry is the most important decision you'll ever make. Anybody can give you a ring. And any pair can make a baby, but waiting for the person God has for you is worth the wait. Now, what should we do while we wait? And why is it so hard to rest in God when we're waiting for what we want? What is the purpose behind waiting? It's my prayer that this episode helps you understand that the wait is part of God's greater plan for all of us. There are many reasons why we should wait on God, and I'm going to talk about five. Receiving God's direction and wisdom for our lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel, a prophet of the Lord, was sent to Saul, the king of Israel, with an important message from the Lord. The Lord told Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites and everything that belonged to them. He commanded Saul and his army to spare no one. With 210,000 soldiers, Saul set an ambush. But what he did next was completely against God's direction and divine wisdom. In verse 8 and 9, it says, "...he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword." But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. When Samuel approached Saul, Saul's reply was that he had completed the Lord's instruction. But Samuel challenged him, asking him why he could still hear the moos and the bleats of cattle and sheep. In verse 15, Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. God told Samuel to tell Saul that his mission was for Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites and that Saul disobeyed him. But Saul had something else to say in verse 20 and 21. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And here's what really convicted me in verse 22 in 23. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Half obedience is still disobedience. When I was a kid, if my mom told me to clean my room, but then I just shoved everything into a closet or under a bed, did I really clean it? Did I half obey her? And who did it harm more, me or her? When Saul destroyed Amalek, he didn't do exactly what God told him to do. And there are a lot of women who are currently in relationships that are settling, even though they know that the man that they're with isn't God's best for them. They see the red flags, they're convicted left and right, but they stay because they're comfortable. They stay because something is better than nothing, right? Right? They stay because they're at around the age that they should be settling down. They stay because he sometimes goes to church. He doesn't have a relationship with God, but he's the Sunday pew prop that you need for the time being. And if anybody knows what that feels like, it is me. I got to a point where I didn't want the heartbreak, so I was single. God placed me in a period of singleness while I was living in India, and I needed it. I needed that direction and I needed that wisdom. I'm now in a relationship and we have boundaries. We push each other closer to God and I truly believe that he is God's best for me. In surrendering my love life to God, I opened myself up to receive his direction. The second reason that we should wait on God is to stay in line with his timing. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we see Jesus near Lake Genesaret, stepping into Simon's boat so that he can address the crowd of people near the lake's edge. Jesus was looking for a stage. He didn't ask Simon to use his boat. He needed a stage so that those crowding around the edge of the lake could see and hear him. Simon's boat was in the right place at the right time because of one reason. He didn't get what he thought he wanted. As we later learn in scripture, Simon spent the entire night trying to catch fish, but was unsuccessful. Later that day, when Jesus came to Simon's boat, Simon was properly positioned to be used. Now, had Simon caught fish the night before... He wouldn't have been available for Jesus as I'm sure he might have been, I don't know, selling the fish at the market or preoccupied with something else. If God gave us what we wanted when we thought we needed it, would we still be an available stage for him? Would we be preoccupied? Would we corrupt whatever it is that he gives us? As believers, our lives, our relationships, our marriages, etc. should all be submitted to His divine timing. After all, we were created in His image and He knows what's best for us. And while we're waiting on His timing, sometimes it means removing us from the things that we think we want so that we can actually be available to Him during our appointed time. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. After Jesus' message to the crowd and after telling Simon to drop his net, Simon received the very thing he wanted, which was a catch, but it only came at the right time, after he was obedient and after he was available to be used. God's timing is always perfect. We should always start by thanking God for our seasons of rest, that the thing that we want so bad comes with a lot of strings attached. We want a marriage, but we should be prepared to work, to endure arguments, to die to ourselves daily. We want children. Be prepared for the many sleepless nights, the poopy diapers, the irritability, and so much more responsibility. Waiting is a process of truly becoming who God wants and needs us to be. What he will do inside of us is just as important as whatever it is that we're waiting for. And God uses the seasons of waiting to prepare us and test us so that we can face whatever will come next. Also, waiting on God isn't passive. It's active. Make no mistake, waiting on something doesn't mean that you should wait idly by for something to drop in our laps. Whatever it is that we do, we should constantly be preparing ourselves to be in position and we should be working as unto the Lord. You know, waiting is being confident, it's being expectant, it's being disciplined, it's painful. It reminds us to cling to God with all that we have. And sometimes the easier thing to do, though, when we don't get the very thing that we want, is to complain. The Israelites, on their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, reacted the same way. In Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 and 5, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Their complaining and plain disobedience kept them from the promised land. Their journey was only supposed to take 11 days. It took 40 years, y'all, 40 years. And no matter what God did, they found themselves complaining. And this isn't to say that there is a reward for waiting. Perhaps waiting means that God changes your heart about the very thing that you thought you wanted. God knows what's best for us. After all, he did create us. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? It can be frustrating when we just want the thing that we want. We're in a hurry but God is not. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 that to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. He always works on his time and he knows when our time will come. It's when we try to take matters into our own hands and help God out that we find ourselves in trouble. We date a guy that we know we should stay far away from, but he looks too good and he prays a little bit. And as a result, we end up in the relationship that we weren't meant to be in, one that causes more pain than good. The Bible says to trust God's timing in Psalm chapter 37, verse 7 and 8. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. We see people getting married left and right, and we're still here waiting on God's timing. It can be frustrating, but let me tell you this. Waiting on God will never, ever produce subpar results. Resting is actually an act of faith. You just know that everything will work out for your good. When Jesus and the disciples were in a boat that was caught in this big storm, Jesus took a nap through everything. While the disciples were beside themselves, they woke him up to ask him to save them. Matthew chapter 8 verse 26 says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. By sleeping through the storm, Jesus was saying that we can trust him even in the middle of a storm, in the middle of waiting to see what comes next. Regarding our relationship statuses, we will be single until our season of singleness is over, no sooner and no later. The third reason we should wait on God is because he is preparing us first. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 2 says, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. During our time of waiting, God prepares us so that when opportunities in the next season come, we don't squander or ruin it. God rejected King Saul, who I talked about earlier. He was Israel's first king and someone who partially obeyed God. God was looking for a king who was after his own heart. So now Samuel had a new mission from God, to designate a new king. But Samuel feared that Saul would kill him if he heard that he was searching for another king to replace Saul. God tells Samuel exactly what to do, and so he heads to Bethlehem to perform a sacrifice. He invites a man named Jesse and his sons. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 16. When Samuel looked at Eliab, Jesse's firstborn son, he was sure that this was the one God had chosen as king. But God said no. He was most interested in the king's heart. Samuel goes from the oldest to the youngest and nothing. God doesn't choose any of them. So he asks Jesse if he has any other sons enter David. David was out tending to his father's flock. It was when David was summoned that God told Samuel to anoint him, that David was the one. God calls each of us to mighty works in his name, And as Christians, we are chosen and prepared for something greater. People may tell you who they think you are, but God knows exactly who you are and how he desires to use you for his kingdom. He knows who he's called for you to marry, and your job is to be in position when and if your time comes. But even though David was anointed, he needed to go through seasons of preparation. He waited seven years to be king. David is then employed by Saul to calm him whenever the evil spirits troubled him. He played the lyre, which is similar to a harp. David was then chosen by Saul to be his armor bearer. It's ironic because David, given the task of protecting the king, would one day become the king. I love the irony here. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, that God chooses the weak to confound the mighty. Let's go to David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. I'll read from verses 13. 33 36. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, "'Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. "'When a lion or a bear came "'and carried off a sheep from the flock, "'I went after it, struck it, "'and rescued the sheep from its mouth. "'When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, "'struck it, and killed it. "'Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear.' This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. All that time David spent shepherding his father's flock prepared him for the battle with Goliath. And he let Saul know that it wasn't by his own might that he saved his sheep. He made it clear that it was the Lord who delivered him from the paw of the lion and bear. And because he knew this, he was sure that the Lord would deliver him from this battle. So you can see that God began to prepare David at a very early age. Think about it. David was Jesse's last son. This meant that he was tasked with tending to the flock. The Lord guided Samuel to anoint David. God's spirit would continue to guide David. David became skillful on the lyre and with his sling. Being skillful in these things brought David close to Saul, and because of it, he was able to learn the ways of a king. God was shaping David for the years and battles ahead. David was being prepared for the position. David had the heart to be king. But he also had to acquire the character of a king. It was seven years of intense preparation, full of temptations, and all of which David overcame. There was a time for everything under the sun. We're not married right now because it is not our time to be married. And if we rush it, we're only putting our will above God's will. Just like we're being prepared for a new job or prepared for college, God has to prepare us for the seasons that he brings us into. So maybe God is preparing you to be a God-honoring wife. Maybe he's showing you that you need to learn how to keep a home, pray more, be obedient to his leading, learn how to surrender, learn how to cook, learn how to wait, fix your temper, learn how to submit to your husband. Maybe he's hiding you so that you can learn to trust in Him him alone and not in dating apps. Whatever it is, know that during this season of waiting, God is preparing you for something greater. The fourth reason that we should wait on God is to grow our faith. Faith is important. In fact, the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Imagine your life if during every trial you had absolute confidence that God was with you or how you'd respond if you knew God was working within the details to leverage everything for your good. There's a chapter in the New Testament dedicated to heroes of faith. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's Hebrew chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Verses seven through nine. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, Let's talk about Queen Esther for a little bit. Esther was a queen whose faith saved every Jew living in the Persian Empire. King Ahasuerus chose her to be his queen, and unbeknownst to Esther, an evil plot was brewing in the background. A man named Haman was slighted by Mordecai, Esther's guardian. So Haman decided to spearhead the passing of a new law that would call for the destruction of every Jew who within the Persian empire. Mordecai and Esther were both Jews. And while Esther was anxiously deliberating, Mordecai says this in Esther chapter four, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. After all, she was the queen, but her faith needed to grow. She found the courage to approach the king uninvited. Approaching the king without permission was punishable by death, but Esther had faith. She trusted God for direction and wisdom and understanding of the right timing. What happened next? Haman's plan was foiled and the king called for his execution. The Jews were saved. Faith grows from being tested and enduring. We grow from faith to faith. We don't magically have tons of faith in God. According to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God gives everyone a measure of faith and it is our responsibility to continue to grow in faith. Maybe you have a hard time trusting God in your relationship or in your season of singleness, or you have a timeline that you want God to stay within. Maybe you're feeling the pressure from family and friends to get married and have kids Perhaps you're in a godly relationship, but God needs to continue to work in you. Or maybe you're not in a relationship that honors God and He's showing you that you need to call it quits. Whatever it is, we have to have faith in the relationship status that God truly desires for us in this current season. The fifth reason that we should wait on God is because He wants what is best for us. God's best for us lies in His divine will. Matthew chapter six, verse 25 through 34 is a scripture of extreme comfort. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they? Verses 31 through 34. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God wants us to be more fruitful, more productive, and more like him so that we can be more effective for his kingdom. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be more fruitful. John chapter 15, verses one through three. God even trims branches that bear fruit so that they may be even more fruitful. He doesn't want us to just live any life. He wants us to live an extremely abundant life. Trimming so that we can grow is waiting on Him so that we can prosper. No matter where your pain comes from, I want you to know that God sees you, he hears you, he knows what you're going through, and he is working on your behalf. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 30 tells us that God goes before us and he fights for us. Everything that he does is amazing and he does all things well. Everything he does is infinitely better than what the devil offers. And we should always be in anticipation for the amazing things that God is going to do in our lives. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, "'Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice.'" Blessed are all who wait for him. God is waiting for those who will wait on him so that he can be gracious and good to them. How comforting is that? Think about what we'll be able to do for God's kingdom if we've mastered the art of enduring the wait. You have the things that are meant just for you. I have the things that are meant just for me. Because we know how to wait well, we're not in any room that God has not called us to. But we'll still go through many, many life challenges. But the difference now is that we'll have complete faith in the end result, whatever it may be. We are equipped and armed to defeat the enemy's attacks. Waiting means that we are actively positioning ourselves to receive God's best. Every season, married or single, is a blessing. All right, so let's summarize this episode. We talked about the five reasons we should wait on God. The first was because we'll receive God's direction and wisdom for our lives. We talked about how King Saul went completely against God's direction and divine wisdom and didn't fully destroy the Amalekites. While you're waiting to receive what God has for you in this season, it's important that you're continually seeking wisdom and direction from God. That comes through studying the word of God, praying, fasting. The second reason was to stay in line with God's timing. God uses the seasons of waiting to prepare and test us so that we can face whatever will come next. Waiting is the process of becoming who God wants us to be. What he will do inside of you is just as important as whatever it is that you're waiting for. The third reason was that God is preparing us for something greater. There is a time for everything under the sun. If you are rushing or forcing that thing that you want, you're only putting your will above God's will. Just like we are prepared for a new job or prepared for college, God has to prepare us for the seasons that he brings us into. The fourth reason was to grow our faith. We know that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith grows from being tested and enduring. We grow from faith to faith. We don't magically have tons of faith in God. And it's important for us to endure because God always finishes what he starts if we don't give up. The fifth reason is that God wants what's best for us. He will always go ahead of us and fight on our behalf. We are made in his image and are his most prized creations. He is waiting for those who wait on him so that he can be gracious to them. How amazing is that? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I have one request. Please subscribe on iTunes as well as rate and review this podcast. It will help Bloom reach many more women just like you. I'd like to close us out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we exalt you, we thank you, and we humbly come before you. We are completely undeserving of the love, mercy, and grace that you shower on us each day. We ask for your forgiveness for the things that we've done to draw people away from you, both knowingly and unknowingly. Lord, I pray for your continued grace as we lean in and learn your ways. God, I pray that in our seasons of waiting, that we use that time to cling to you and your word. I pray that we find comfort in your decrees and know that our only hope is in you. Help us maintain, God. I pray for wisdom and understanding that we find comfort in knowing that seasons are temporary and that with every season of sowing comes seasons of harvest. I pray that we understand that what we sow, we will inevitably reap. Lord, help us sow good seeds, seeds that allow us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, goodness, patience, faithfulness, and kindness. Lord, help us to not put a time limit on the wonderful work you are doing in us. Help us to be patient and trust that you are with us always. We love you, we praise you, and will worship you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.